Okay. Okay, we are live. Episode three of what we call Grow Series. My buddy, my good friend, Josh Shaw, is back on the show, which is going to be fun. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you for having me, Mark. Absolutely. Uh, we just had some fun off air. Now we're going to get into some serious stuff. Not really, but uh, let's talk about lay of the land. Uh, I want to talk about now, like today. Um, give us frame, though, for those that don't know what you do uh, as far as work in, in the space and, and alike. Yeah, so I'd be considered like a typical kind of management consultant or, or I guess a strategy consultant. But what kind of makes me different than, you know, if you're going to work with McKinsey or Bain or, or any of those kind of major players is, um, yeah, I carved out a niche where I work on mostly the intersecting categories of like food, beverage, nutritional supplements, and what I kind of consider like functional or value add. Um, so where kind of the market is moving, um, but cut my teeth in sports nutrition and supplements. Mark and I go way back from his previous kind of ventures in the, in the fitness space. But um, yeah, I do A to Z kind of consulting, most, mostly on the growth side. Um, the other kind of gnarly side, uh, even though I got a little bit of uh, extra work on that for the last couple of years, I try to stay out of the wind down negative side of, of, of consulting or the cost cutting or cost optimization side, though that's usually a part of it. You're looking at you know, the complete picture and hopefully making changes to create a, a better pathway for profitability. You know, when it's one of those things where you're looking at, you know, quote unquote, death of a business, um, there are people that enjoy that type of work. And I, I stay away from that side. Understood. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, there's, a, there is a, a big opportunity there too, especially, you know, in today's environment. Um, and there's a lot of strategy when it goes to that type of business, right? Um, especially if you could somehow pivot, maybe you have an asset or two, but that's for, for another day. What speaking, uh, you know, what, of today and, and, and clients that you talk to and you understanding what's going on in the environment as a whole, how would you describe it? Give, give us like today versus 24 months ago, if you were to elevator pitch this to somebody who really didn't understand the industry. You know, I, it's, it's tough. These, these last couple of years, um, and I would say more this year, 2022, than the last couple of years is that, you know, CPG be, has become this kind of sexy place. Um, I don't know how or when it became that thing or how, you know, the image of it changed. Um, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of you know, green people coming into CPG that maybe don't realize how tough of a grind it is until 2022 kind of hit them. And I would say, you know, obviously 2020 and 2021 had its own unique challenges that people had to come across, but 2022, it seems like the perfect storm of all the kind of challenges within CPG. And it's really hit a lot of these people that were looking at the space and saying, well, that looks fun or that looks you know, sexy to do. And now they're like, what the heck did I get myself into? You know, this is, this is a grind. This is a, this is something that has always been there. Um, and I think the longstanding people in the industry, I've been in, in the space now for over a decade. Um, you just, you know, it's incremental. It's one by one. It's, it's brick by brick. It's, it's a tough kind of day-to-day -to -day mind 
uh, I, I want to say mind fuck, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the child show. I don't know if that will block that out, but <laughs> that's fine. We don't beep anything. Um, there, there's this sentiment and you can, you can talk on it because it's right off the back of that shout out C4. There you go. So you DOS, you like, you don't even need it. Stop it. Aaron, what up? Um, I like Aaron. He's a good guy. Um, uh, there's this sentiment. I've heard it multiple times now, and that's just because I get to talk to a lot of different people, um, uh, a lot of different founders, people, you know, inside the brand itself. Um, but there is this sentiment of, I don't even really know why I'm doing this. I, um, I could be off earning X amount at this point. Yet there's this thing that either they really don't believe that, you know, there's like this two part sentiment, like they like they really don't believe that, that they really could go earn X or that they're hireable. Maybe there's a question mark there um, because they, they've only been no known as a founder or maybe that's their disciplines. Um, and then there's this other side, which is they don't really mean it at all because they just like being in the space that they're in subconsciously, right? It's just such a war, especially today. It's, there's a war going on every day. You're at the brink of going out of business basically every week, right? Do you, do you talk to these people and, and is there that sentiment there? What do you think is the underlying reason for why they do cho choose to stay? Yeah, I mean, most of the clients that I work with at this point are probably like 10 million Plus, so th these entrepreneurs have gotten traction. You know, they are they're in it. They are bought in. You know, they have some skin in the game. They're not just going to pack up and, and go. Um, but that being said, I, I did start my career in the startup space, and I still spend considerable time each week speaking to people that are either interested, kind of pre-revenue, getting in some phase of the business, and I do talk to them like from a you know, psychology standpoint, trying to understand like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, getting to that root cause and making them understand the complete picture of what they're getting into to make sure that they're making the right decision. Because to your, to your point, I think that a lot of people rushed into the market and they had fun and it was easy, you know, quote unquote easy. Um, but then when they got smacked in the face, they realized, oh, this isn't as fun. Maybe I can do something different. Maybe it's better for me to be an employee, which for the far and away, I mean, if you look at probabilities, it is better for you probably to be a, an employee, but entrepreneurship, you know, spirit and, and part of the American dream, if you are in it for the right reasons and you feel like you have something unique and special to bring to the market, then by all means, go and do it. Um, to your point, I mean, I do think there's still some people in there that probably just really love the space and are trying their best and doing what they need to do. And sometimes, you know, that thing that they're building maybe isn't going to be it, but hopefully through a bunch of learnings and, and them kind of going through these challenges and, and getting, you know, kind of real life lessons, that next thing they create is going to be even better. And maybe that won't be the one that wins, but you know, they're going to learn again and they're going to kind of go in that direction. But I do think there's still some people that probably need to get washed out uh, in the market. And I, this is like, you know, a little bit 
negative talk or whatever, but I do think far and away, there's probably still more pain in the CPG market before we get to this, you know, opening of the light and, and we're back into, you know, the growth phase. Yeah. I don't think there's anything negative. It, it, you're talking in reality, right? And, and um, I just spoke to somebody else also who has a deep understanding of what goes on in this business. They talked to a lot of founders and, and they were adamant that there's just too many um, uh, founders who probably should not be doing this. Right. Um, it's not, not, no, no, don't take offense. If you think it's, it's it may not be about you, but there's just, there are. And um, I go back, I use this term gold rush. It really has been right. I've been in it now six plus years. So I kind of saw it, I, but, but I came in a little naive, like this is what I know. So uh, when I saw all these new brands, it, it, that was just what I thought it was. But now that there is a little bit of a washout, I'm like, oh, so it is somewhat cyclical, right? Um, especially when a lot of money comes into any vertical, we could be talking about tech. It's just like, there's going to be more that come in. There's just more opportunity. Um, I do talk about low barrier of entry, right? Um, we're not talking about maybe a pre-workout, even though that actually probably is also low barrier entry. Cause thank you. Um, but it could be when we're talking about a cookie, you know, you're, you're baking a cookie at your house and you're like, well, this is a really great cookie. I want to start selling it. And you do, you end up down at the farmer's market. So low barrier entry, a lot of money, um, people being super naive and it just, it, that's what causes a lot of things to happen. Right. So, um, no, nothing negative. The, the second thing is, um, I love that point about people just what I call just adding to the resume. It's a personal resume. You're just getting beat up all the time um, and you don't realize you're just literally adding these assets to your back pocket. Like, you know, things that nobody else will ever know because you actually went through them. Right. That's why I always make mention of like a VC or PE. Like most don't know, don't fundamentally know or understand what we go through. Right. Um, they can do high level stuff and it's very, you know, charts and this, but until you're in it, in it, you don't really know. Now, I want to change the course of this a little bit. I do want to talk growth now specifically, just as far as even right now, what are the fundamental things that you see in an, a company, it could be 10, 10 plus or whatever, that is validating their growth? What, there's got to be like two or three things you're like, uh, they're, they did this and this is what's happening. And it's, it's, it's the same thing that's happened to X, Y, and Z, right? And they all have this thing in common. What, what are those? Like point them out. I mean, I think one big thing would be that they understand like where they are from a positioning standpoint with customers. I mean, I think that there's a huge bifurcation that's happening with like income in our country. And, th and this is really globally, but we're talking about America is that you have a ton of Kind of low-end earners that are kind of just scraping by and, and trying to figure out what they need and, and they tend to be on the you know i guess you know buying at walmart or buying at dollar stores or looking for trade downs private label you know whatever it is and those people are are from a numbers perspective huge there's that's where the majority i guess of of, of americans would be at um, but there's very few people that probably serve those customers um, from the kind of startup or emerging brand CPG space, because it's not sexy. It's not fun. Like you don't wake up in the morning and go, I want to, you know, serve the Sally from Iowa or, or whatever. Like that's not the person you, you tend to think about first. Um, on the flip side, the other kind of polar end of that is that, you know, and this is where a lot of people probably play at from a startup land from CPG is that the premium side and kind of that higher income or that, 
kind of high earner, not yet rich kind of, um, you know, psychographic that Henry psycho psychographic where people are looking at it and saying, how do I, you know, have all these value added aspects? How do I, you know, serve these bigger needs for customers that are above and beyond just, you know, basic sustenance or, or trying to get uh, somebody to get, you know, their drink in or something like that. So there are less people there. Those are usually where you can create higher price points and things like that. And those have their own specific needs and their own specific um, sales channels. And, and there's all that alignment in terms of, you know, the strategy, but what people get in trouble is that they, they try to stay in the middle. Um, the ones that do really good at like, we know who we are, we know who we serve and we know what our unique selling propositions are to those particular people. And we don't really worry about the rest of them. They're doing much better than the rest of the market. That's trying to be, you know, everything to everyone. There are already brands that are everything to everyone. Those are those mass appeal brands. I mean, those are serving those customers. There's not a lot left for, you know, emerging brands to try to be in the middle and try to serve everybody. So they, they got to go deep and they got to go kind of as far um, integrated into those uh, individuals. And then I think past that point, you know, when we're talking about knowing your customer, knowing where those knowing where they are, is that you have to really, I think, get to know them on a you know, kind of intimate level and be able to do things that in a way, scaly unscalable, um, because as you get bigger, you get further and further away from your customer or your community or whatever you're trying to build. And you need to think about how do I do things that will still be special, still be unique, make sure I support those you know, brand advocates or, or kind of those core customers. Because if you look at any loyalty programs from retailers, you look at anything like those customers, you're kind of hyper special customers, they usually drive the majority of your success. Um, but when you become bigger, you get further away from them. And the brands that do the best at staying close or trying to create some specialness with those customers, they tend to be, uh, they tend to do much better um, because that's just kind of organic, natural marketing. And in an environment right now where you have huge like kind of customer acquisition costs, those are golden. You want to support them the best you can because they're going to go out and tell other people, they're going to get that word of mouth going that you don't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, I think it's something where you still should do those things to support that. But I think there's an ability for you to then kind of pass some of those costs off to like these super fans or these super, you know, customers. Um, but for whatever reason, when a brand gets bigger, they forget about those customers because they're thinking about numbers or thinking about things that don't matter, but really you're serving that as a North star, the customer, the brand, you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's the, that's the key here. Um, and I think kind of rolling that into that third point, it is around like, are you doing things that support the right master or, you know, kind of, um, you know, appealing to the right master in the sense that like, if a retailer is telling you to do X, Y, Z, but that's against your brand or your customer, the answer should be no. The answer should not always just be yes. The retailer is serving their best needs. Um, that might not be aligned sometimes with, with you. So if you are in physical retail or, or maybe this is even Amazon or whatever, you have to always think about those decisions as, am I serving the right master, which is brand and customer over what that retailer wants? Because that's just a maximization of like, I guess, transactional value, which eventually will kind of wean off when you're not kind of supporting it with some of that more longstanding kind of value.
Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. If we if we did longer shows, I like to keep these at like 20 minutes. Uh, but if you were watching this, you'd rewind that part. And, and in short, it's a description of market fit. Um, and and then to go a, a step further, it's it's honing in on that market fit to make sure that every decision that you're making is is disciplined to to that original market fit uh, and that you're not being swayed by all these other things that are being waved in front of your face, especially as you may get bigger where those opportunities do get waved in front of your face. You know, you're, you're well-known and somebody's seeing you, they're like, oh, we need to get that in our store, and, but our price needs to be X, where maybe that wasn't the original uh, intent. I, I often, I, I don't like to call out anything specific. Um, for some reason, for me, it's always been supplements just because I still follow some of those brands. I, I have friends that are, you know, run some of these companies and they, and I know you know it so well, um, they're, they're really the best, the ones that do it really well. They really are the best at, at, at executing on market fit. I don't, I, I'm not taking away from any brands like on, on the food and beverage side that, that do well with that sort of thing. But I feel, always feel like it's just a wider cast. Right. Yeah. Like everybody just like throws the, 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 I don't know why I'm going fishing right now. I don't fish. Um, my buddies kind of like to, I don't really want to do that. It's okay. But I'm going with the analogy right now that, you know, you're, you're, you're throwing it out there. Right. And that's because again, a lot of stuff waving in front of you, you need revenue. You're trying to hit a certain goal and it's, but it, but it's, it's, I see it a lot clearer on the supplement side, I'm not, I can name three brands even right now. And it just laser focus from the name and then to where they got discipline as far as the influencers who they chose at first, and maybe age bracket and like what they look like, like where do they hang out on social media? Um, you know, are they following specific people on YouTube? Like it's really focused, right? Laser focus. Um, and I just, I, yeah, I, on the back of what you're saying, it's just, it, to me, it summarizes where, where that original question was, how, how or what are the commonalities of those that are successful? And it's you describing this going super deep on market fit. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with you in, in the sense of like supplement space. And I think because arguably the barriers to entry are the lowest in supplements. Um, and from a standpoint of, launching an e-commerce site and things like that, because you're selling usually a higher unit cost, unit economics to ship it is extremely great. Um, so that brings in a lot of people that um, you know, probably shouldn't be in the space, but it creates a ton of noise and creates a ton of just issues for you to get your message out there. So supplement brands, though, like people look at them as like the gunslingers or like these, you know, the wild, wild west, I would say far and away, it's the inspirational or influ influential, like, epicenter of the CPG space. Like everybody now looks at these players and are saying, how do I add some element to my food? How do I add some element to my beverage that is, you know, nutraceutical in its, you know, kind of core. It's, it's a herbal, it's an adaptogen. It's, it's something else, you know, be it some active uh, nutrition ingredient. And I think because of that, a lot of people should probably spend a lot more time spending uh, learnings on some of the great, um, supplement brands because they have probably had to dig through more dirt and mud than anybody else to get to where they are. And yeah, there's probably a lot of like 
you know, trash that you probably don't want to pay attention to. But if you do find those like core brands, like you said, um, there's a ton of lessons to be, to be learned. Um, I did want to kind of just make one point to that earlier you know, question is that, you know, I'm not naive to say that like sometimes decisions come in play that you have to make to keep yourself alive. Um, and, and that goes down to sometimes are you capitalized correctly for how patient you need to be? Um, I always tell entrepreneurs like it's probably going to take you twice as long in the CPG space as that you thought, and it's going to cost you twice as much money. So you make sure that you have that from buffers, because if you think all of a sudden you're going to like, you know, fly out the gate and you're going to become you know, some brand that's selling multiple hundreds of millions of dollars, the probability is so low on that, that you wouldn't even want to put that in front of somebody because it would probably turn away every entrepreneur um, because it's just not likely at all. I love uh, these. I, I would, could, could go so much for that. I was, I, I was going to go right into something else. And I just, I, I, I'm disciplined on the times of these things, but so we're going to have to do another one, of, of course. Um, you guys check out Josh. If you don't follow him, you should be. Uh, it doesn't matter supplements, food, beverage, everything. Um, he's always got um, some something to, to say that's of value. Uh, and so if you're in the space, um, it's so simple just to absorb some of it. Some of you may like, some of you don't. Doesn't doesn't matter. Just just he's he's he he does research. He provides insights to things. Check it out. Your info's up there uh, when we get this thing going. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.